Welcome to Back to the Point. My name is Migs, and Ian is on the other line. Migs? Yes. Is this just all your dream, and we're just living in it? Yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> I have more power happened? than you have all realized. <laughs> oh, man, I need to send you some money or something. <laughs> I need to distribute. <laughs> oh, please do. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> yeah. I'll like pay tribute and then start making sports bets on the sharks and then it uh it did get a little bit distorted than uh what I had originally in- intended. But Oh yeah, uh, tell us of your overall grand plan. Well my overall grand plan started last season when I was pondering, you know what should happen? The sharks should trade for Patrick Marlowe and the Leafs will eat his salary or something like that. Or buy him out or whatever. I mean, I'm not sure you can do that mid season. But uh <clears throat> then the Sharks will pick him up and then they'll win the cup. And, you know, they they weren't in a position to win the cup last year with all the injuries. So it just got deferred. It got a little bit changed this season. And it got a little bit it got a little bit rough, a little bit rocky of a start there. We weren't sure what was gonna happen. And lo and behold, here we are, and Patrick Marlowe is now a shark again. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. It is crazy. It really but is. very, very sentimental, very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. It's very pleasing to me. And, oh my uh, gosh, is it? <laughs> and it's, you know what? It's, it's pleasing to me too. I'm taking, it is. I'm taking it back a little bit. Yeah. You know, you, I'm like, uh, oh my gosh. Now that it's happened, you're like, mm, I kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprising how much I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. With, well, with a short, small sample size, we should, we should say that we're recording this uh, right, right before the yes. Calgary game uh, on Sunday. Yes. So, we have a pretty small sample size with, with the dream reali- realization happening. Yeah, but we're recording on a good note because Marlo joined, scored two goals, and then we had our first win. Yes. And we'll talk about why we did not have our first win starting in a bit. But uh, that's the high we're recording on. <laughs> the prodigal son returns and gives us and delivers himself the win. <laughs> it was good you to see. can't write this it was... stuff, people. It was good to see the uh, the team come together a little bit more cohesively after some disastrous play early yeah. in the season. Because uh, you know why? Because we started we started zero four, and that was uh, you know if if a if a team if you just look at the schedule and you say oh you started zero and four, it's like yes that's a that's like technically the worst outcome you can have on paper, right? But things are made worse by injuries or like how that loss was you know earned and given and stuff and like we were like the worst case of the worst case of like starting throwing <laughs> 4 no. like if you if you start 4 no and like one's an overtime loss like they're all like one goal games you're like you know what it's there you know you're scoring a couple goals a game it's like okay it just hasn't happened like we'll, we'll turn around it was like full four alarm fire to start the season for the sharks like mm-hmm. everyone turned on the gear and like upshifted from regular se- from preseason to regular season, and the Sharks still look like they were in like training camp. How they were playing, like an inter <laughs> inter squad scrimmage, it looked so bad. Oh yeah, it was bad. And not only that, we started against Vegas, who has like a freaking like blood vengeance to get against. They have like voodoo <laughs> dolls that they're like having, <laughs> like poking us against to like get their like magic done against us. They, they don't hate they us don't care. so much. 
if they lose any other game this season, they just want to beat all of the games. They just want to win all the games against the Sharks this year. That's pretty much that's yeah. a one season for them. And I, <laughs> this I, year, right? I told Migs too. I was like, well, for one, it doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter how how much they beat us. They're never gonna like erase what we have earned against them. You know? Yeah, that will like never literally the, the only thing them. that erases that is a Stanley Cup victory. Or yeah. them doing the same thing to us. Like, they could honestly beat us in the playoffs for, like, three years in a row. And it's like, yeah, uh, I hear you. But um, <clears throat> you failed on your face that year, too. And that was great. And <laughs> yeah. uh, that was historic. And that's never going to happen again. And, well, I hope it happens again to them again. But, uh, but that's yeah. the thing. It was literally historic. Like, there was yes. only one other time that a team – has scored what that many goals on a five on th- uh, on a yeah and it was what like call a, it on a five like in a major nineteen oh eight or something regardless like that. of what you think about that being called as a major or whatever uh, I mean that just has after uh, you know however many five minute majors have oh been yeah called, it, it was, was like eight thousand was... something some some mm-hmm. ridiculously high number and it had only been done once before yeah it's like even if it was a justified five minute major they still let in all that stuff and we're gonna be yeah. talking about this for years and it will still be just as good like one of the seasons well, it's one coming... of the go ahead it's one of the greatest moments in the, in the sharks history no it's one of the greatest moments in nhl history which i think that is, is lost. true i would i think it's I would lost on vegas well. fans like you know a couple of years ago when like the well, they're the victims. made the playoffs they're the victim yeah and they don't want to yeah they don't want to do it but i think as the season has gone on and the playoffs stopped because of the whole narrative, but the Sharks are getting all the calls and stuff. It's like, ooh, watch the games. Um, but uh, people... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch, watch what actually happens. Yeah, but uh, people, like, once the season was done and, like, it was in the in the summer and stuff, I think everyone just kind of shifted to the Vegas School Knights and just saying, like, yo, guys, like, that was really bad. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, yeah. Anyways. Well, yeah, I mean, we are saying this to make us feel a little bit better, but, you know, I already yeah, feel better because, because they, we won they one game. put us in our place, man. Because <laughs> yeah. we started against them and all that background, blah, blah, blah. They, we started against them three games in a row. Well, like, yeah. I don't understand how the NHL can, like, watch those games and the playoffs and, like, the regular season games and then say, you know what's – like, I get you want, like, nice matchups to start the season, which is good, but, like – Three games in a row is like risking player safety, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, well, uh, with we that type that of animosity, of course. Yeah, and that's and that was the thing too. Is like honestly, it's like I just want to get through these three games and not lose players, and that mm. didn't happen, which was sad. Right, but I mean, speaking of, who cares about regular season? But uh, mm-hmm. we already talked about the Kane suspension yeah. on the last podcast, I believe. But that first game against Vegas, you know a lot of people were saying, or I imagine a lot of people were saying that that, that wouldn't be that surprising if we lost that game. Oh, That's totally. in Vegas. They're, like you said, they have this blood vengeance or whatever you want to call it <laughs> to just annihilate us. And yeah. that game was, you know, from the Sharks' perspective, the team is looking a little bit different. You lost your captain um, mm-hmm. who provided, what, close to 40 goals last year. You have yeah. a lot of young players slotting into the lineup. Your defense defensively is, is fairly shaky with Braun gone, and you don't have really a, a solid starter other than that. Yeah, bottom and, carry uh, is just gone. Yeah. So you could take that loss, but you know, you, you hope the team is going to figure some stuff out and actually 
you know, play their system well, which you, you, you hope, know, yeah, it was bad that game, but I didn't see game two, but from what I understand, it was, it was even worse. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's the first game of the season. So it's a little bit more like, okay, jitters and stuff. And like all the backstory, like I figured, like, I assumed that we were going to lose just because like, you're never going to come out like a Vegas is already extremely effective against us. Um, despite the fact that we won game seven, like I think we lost the majority of games we played against them in the past mm-hmm. two years, but especially the second year. So like, they're a very, very good team. And, uh, yeah, they're definitely, I would probably say that they're currently better than us and have been better than us the last season and this season. Although I think, the like on paper lineup and the ability we have is better than them. I just don't think we've ever really reached it against them. Cause for whatever reason, when we play them, we like, we like can't handle them at all, but like they get all their losses against other teams. So for some reason, when we play yeah. them, they're the better team, but like, I think overall we're a better team with what we can play. So anyways, well, first loss, since, you know, they lost to Arizona, right? Yeah. And it's say like, that why do you lose we, to Arizona? In Arizona. But how can you never we lose beat to Arizona? Us like that, you know, yeah, we beat them a lot of times, but they uh, they lost they lost pretty handily to them. So yeah, it like it's a bit confusing. Yeah, and, honestly, uh, it there is. is that rivalry there, but that should be on our side too. Yeah, so. I don't know what it is. It's it, there's a mental thing that goes in there. So like that's kind of helping right off game one and feel better about a loss to start the season, which is just not fun. Um, and then we play the next night, the next game against Vegas at home. And, uh, yeah, that was like, that was bad. Cause like, you know, it's like our home opener. Okay. We expect, um, them to, you know, they got their butts handed to them in game one. It's like, okay, game two, like, we'll be okay. And, uh, it was like a hundred percent not. And it was just like, everything was worse because everything you thought was like pregame jitters was like, surprise. No, we are just a really bad team right now. And then yeah. all the things about like, oh, handing it to the young guys and like all the things about um, how, you know, the players who we thought were going to step up in the pre in you know, out of the development camp into training camp and like make the team for the first time or in Suomela's Su- case, the second time, like we thought they were going to step up and, you know, be NHL ready this season or at least, you know, be able to play in the fourth line. And it just seems that like, no one can play the system right now. You know? Yeah, it's... If you want to dissect it, like we said, there was concerns that started from the beginning, but, you know, you could say, oh, it's the first game of the season. Second game of the season, that's where it starts to get really concerning because you're playing in your own building. And then I went to the game in Anaheim, and every single goal that that the Ducks scored, I mean, you know, they played fairly well, I would say. They they had a pretty solid game, but there were Ooh. pretty critical errors that the that the Sharks made. I mean, the first goal was one where Dell uh mishandled the puck. Oh, um, yeah, that was like Dell, what are you doing? One of the goals Ryan Getzlaff kind of waited out Dell and and, and deked him, but he was kind of skating on his own. And then there was that I won't say infamous, but this is where people really started giving LeBanc a ton of crap. He just stopped mm-hmm. skating and uh, yeah, he just stopped skating, got pylond, and the uh, I think it was maybe Henry. I don't know who it was exactly, but was beat him and then had straight lane where he got a great backhand shot on Dell. 
It's just like you guys can't, you know, when the Sharks are playing well, they're a solid, you know, tight defensive team. Well, and... they were until last season. And then what happened last yeah. season? Honestly, remember how befuddling yeah. that was to it? We started the season, you're like, what? Yeah. It's... And then I thought it was going to be an aberration of last season, and it's the same thing. Yeah, just just dumb mistakes that shouldn't happen, you know? Like it's horrendous. And that's that's included defensive zone mistakes, but also they were making some really bad decisions in the neutral zone. We really mm-hmm. saw that against Nashville in game four. Yeah. Well, Eric Carlson has been pretty pretty focal in, in struggling. I mean, he had that backhand pass through the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. I think Burns, um, remember that one game, I can't remember what it was, where he, he kind of like, took a risky pass, uh, you know, trying to get into the offensive zone. Which I one? think this is one of the shorthanded goals, and he, like, pushed down. Oh, yeah, and he, like, tripped uh, over Gambrell. That was yeah, against the Ducks. Just, that was Getzlaff's yeah, goal. And Gambrell kind of made a bad decision on that play, too. It was, yeah, it was just... I don't think it was against the Ducks, because I think I saw that on TV. Maybe, oh, okay. Maybe it was next um, But Or maybe it was, maybe it was like, You guys can't too. put yourself... If they don't put themselves in these situations mm-hmm. where... I mean, you ideally, right? You want just to just be physically beaten by the other team, right? There's nothing else you could have done positionally or strategically. Yeah. But they are they, their decision making and the passes that they're making a lot of times are 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 so poor that they're leading to direct turnovers, leading mm-hmm. to the other team taking advantage. It's just it's it was very ugly to see until yeah. until. The savior of the team returned. Well, I right? think there's, I yes, I that's true. <laughs> I would say there's more to say about that, which will make the savior returning um, more sweet. <laughs> so, what I what you see in game one is just like absolutely like hot trash garbage fire play, and it was very bad. And we straight up didn't even look like an NHL team, but we had a roster full of NHL names, which was the most surprising. And and not only are the new guys the culprits, but also like. You know, Burns and Carlson, you, you get and you give with them, but they were, like, all, all give. And then, like, you know, Couture's doing basically nothing, and Timo's doing basically nothing, you know? And, like, we were missing Kane until the, until the Nashville game, yeah. And then, you know, Hurdle's not doing much. And it was like, oh, my gosh, like, what is going on? <clears throat> and then I think at that point it started to hit me that, okay, so, yes, we lost Marlowe. I mean, um, Pavelski. Pavelski. We lost Donskoy. We lost Nyquist. We lost Dylan or uh, uh, Braun. Um, the defense seemed to be most mostly shored up, and then we started to get some injury trouble. So then, you know, that kind of sucks because we have to draw from people who like don't really have NHL experience. But Ferraro, for the most part, has been doing fine. But because we have so. four new, I think he's had some growing pains. But yes, he's I mean, not, you like he's doing way better than the other plays, rookies. But he's definitely made mistakes. Yeah, and DeBoer says that, and I think most people acknowledge that. Yeah. I think it's just surprising that he isn't making as many mistakes as people thought he would. Like, he already looks better than Joachim Ryan last season. Yeah, Joachim Ryan was pretty uh, unreliable yeah. last season. You know, like, what happened there? So, I, and, and the thing about Ferraro in comparison to previous players and, you know, playing that six, seven role is he actually has like a unique talent in his speed that he uses really well. So that's like an element that most people in that position don't have, you know, so that's cool that he can recover a little bit better after some people's mistakes, but 
Mm-hmm. All, all, like, all those, you know, we had three winger spots, the right wing spot on the second, third, and fourth line. And the fourth line still had a center thing that they were trying to figure out. And then um, Ferraro being on the ice, it basically came down to the point. And then the defensive pairs changing as well, because it only was Dylan Carlson that stayed the same. Vlasic went to Burns. Which has been tried and never really worked out. Well, then right. also Carrick had to come in to fill in for yeah, Heed, who was apparently injured. Yeah. So what that left is literally only a single five-man unit that could be on the ice at the same time, and Timo, Couture, and LeBanc, and Carlson and Dylan, who had all played together before, who knew what they should be doing at the same time. Every other combination of players had people either in new positions or. Uh, had a new player, at least one new player on the ice at the time. And that, that is what was the issue because those new players that we had for some, after training camp happened in the, in the uh, preseason, like we thought all these players were going to shift into the NHL. And like, there's going to be a really good competition of people who all who are ready. And then it turns out that basically none of them were ready except for Ferraro. But we still have these holes that we said we would, you know, that we would turn over to younger players. So none of them jumped out, but there were a couple who were like closer and we picked up those people and they're still not quite ready to be where they are, but they have to be where they are. So to me, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, you, this whole idea of a prospect being NHL ready, that's, there's always going to be this growing pain sort of time where they have to feel things out. I mean, rarely do you have, you have these number one overall picks generally, maybe not even generally, but that can come in and make an impact right away. But remember Timo's first season, he like scored on his first shot ever, but then he only had like two goals and however many games played. I mean, he had to figure things out at first and he was considered NHL ready, I guess by, by some arbitrary standard. I mean, these guys are coming in, but they're coming into a team that was, that has been lacking cohesion. Uh, they haven't been, mm-hmm. I think hurdle had said like, <laughs> we're playing like a team that just met or whatever. Right. It's like, this is a team that has yeah. a core that has been playing together for many years. They, they need mm-hmm. to get it together. This is not. And I know a lot of people are just, just going down to the base of like, let's, this is a coaching problem. That's so hard to, you can't really quantify that or prove that, but it's also just like, you're just unhappy with the coaches and their system. So whatever, but this is the reason why they're making errant passes in the neutral zone or like making poor decisions in the defensive zone is not because of the coaches. It's the players and the, team on the ice not executing appropriately like they should be able to and like you said it's not just the young guys it's like the veterans making these mistakes as well so it's not like because we have those young guys it's all on them and it's not like the coaches are like hey let's take the high risk pass cross ice no look passes whenever you get the chance that's what our game plan is. yeah that should be your first pass option yeah let's make like no they don't make the fanciest play to show that we're the san jose sharks and we can just get go like no like deboer would not be saying that (laughs) you know what deboer does he tells steve spot he says on the power play 
fail to enter the zone, like probably the first two times by trying to make a really, 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 really cutesy pass. Yeah. And then on the third try, now that you got them on the ropes, uh, that's when you got to like dupe them into thinking you're having a bad power play in the score. <laughs> like, yes. yeah, like that's not what he does. Uh... And I don't mean to say, and I, I didn't, I hope it didn't come across this way because it's not what it meant, but I didn't mean that you're right. Most NHL prospects, unless they're like top three, are not going to play in the NHL that first mm-hmm. season after their draft. Right. And who was drafted last year by us or in the summer by us? It was, we didn't this have a year? first round pick, right? Oh, I don't yeah. even remember. Yeah. We didn't have a first round pick this year because we had traded it in worth Carlson it. and Kane and stuff. I yeah, still think that's it, worth sure. it, despite him. He's he'll get it figured oh, totally. out. Totally, right? he'll be fine. Yeah, um, but to me, when there's two elements of NHL ready, I think the first element that people think about and focus about is NHL ready in terms of like maybe, maybe well, this is maybe three. The person is like not strong enough to be in the NHL. Like if you know they're a 17, 18 year old and they get drafted. Yeah, like physical maturity. Yeah, like like Ryan Merkley, like he has some uh, mental things, but even if he was like ready in terms of mental state, because he's there with skill for sure, like uh, he just needs to be bigger, you know? Yeah. You so mean, a lot of times that comes with this. By mental stuff, you mean his attitude issues or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah his, his alleged attitude issues that, you know, I don't think anyone can truly know unless you're on the bench and the coach. Mm-hmm. You just see his outbursts. But Carlson has outbursts too. Um, the, the other thing is like, oh, are they're, they're a scorer. Are they going to be able to score at the NHL level? Or a defender, are they going to be able to defend at the NHL level? Right? That's, I think, the thing that most people think of when they think NHL ready, just like average fans. And I think what most of Sharks fans have been focusing on. But I think what we've really been exposed to now is there's a second thing of like ready to play in the NHL, you know, like, yeah. can you understand a system and execute the system? Right. Cause I, what I think I was ready for was for these people to come in to be in the right place, at the right time, make a couple of mistakes because they're rookies. That's fine. But uh, maybe just like, you know, not score at the rate you would hope for them to do in the beginning. And then over the season that start, they start to score a little bit more. And at the end of the season, some of these players like Suomela and like Gambrell, who have played NHL games, and um, like uh, your Tyken, who was in the KHL last season, like he's a pro. You know, those people, those couple of players to like eventually by the end of the season be where you want them to be, but expect growing pains. What I didn't expect, and what I think most people didn't expect, is that they weren't even ready to be in the NHL, regardless of the scoring at the NHL thing. And I think that's a whole element that has really plagued this team early. And for some reason, the, the veterans aren't saying, here's how to do it in game. You know, they're, they're putting these rookies in bad mis- with their mistakes that put the rookies in even worse mistakes. Yeah, you well, know, is the whole thing on, is bad. On that note, I think, I think to be fair to the, these rookie players, your Tykin, Bergman, mm-hmm. Brodzinski, whatever, um, just that point that you were making, yeah, they're – I think it would be unfair to assume that these guys, they're like all right around 20 years old. Right. I think it would be unfair to this, assume yeah. that they're going to come in and make like a big impact right away. And the fact yeah, that and the, that's what I meant the veterans, to say. I didn't think they were going to make an impact. Yeah. But right the thing away. Is like, I thought they'd just be able to hold water, but you can't just, but that statement of like, Oh, they're not NHL ready. But the thing is because you can't really assume that they're they're they can slot in and maybe, you know, 
fill fill in roles. But the thing is, like you said, the veterans are not putting them in good places. The veterans aren't playing the good system. So mm-hmm. it's not like they've made as far as the the forwards. I don't remember them making egregious egregious errors i remember the veterans the players who have already been there making egregious errors so i don't i i'm, I'm not yeah. even sure what i'm trying to say is i'm not even sure how to judge these young players yet we know that they're totally. not amazing because they haven't really scored or really flat shown flashes of brilliance right but at the same time it's really Sustained. hard to judge them yeah. because the the regulars in the lineup have just been really playing very crappily um, and so they're making them look bad in the sense that they're, they're not even able to really assume a fill-in role well with the normal system because the normal system is just breaking down because of errors. Uh, anyway, it's so many yeah, layers. Yeah, I know. It's so end. frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of agree with you. Like, Obviously, for defensemen, they're in the harder spot than a forward most of the time. Um. And, yeah, you've seen a couple of mistakes where Ferraro really coughed it up. And I think by the fourth or fourth game and the fifth game, I didn't really see many of those. I think he really got adjusted a little bit quicker. He's still not perfect, and he's still making mistakes. Um, what I did see from the, four, the rookie forwards is I, I saw things like not connecting a whole lot. But, like, I never saw what LeBanc did, you know, where he just gets blasted by. And he was like, oh, I'm okay with that. You know, like not skating, yeah. just like reaching and hooking and stuff like that. So I agree. I agree with you. It's 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 like, what's the independent, you know, like are these, uh, they're so intertwined. There was that mathematical principle. They're so interrelated that it's hard to say what's causing one right. or the other, you know, right now. But yeah, you would hope that if this was a situation that rookies weren't ready, you would hope that like you would see a forward line go out there. The two veterans are there. And you would see that them are playing well, helping the rookie. And then if the play dies, you could hope that it was the rookie. And you know what? Like, okay, that's learning experience. But no, it's like everyone making mistakes everywhere. What's going mm-hmm. on? Tire fire. Oh, I'm not question. willing to judge the system or I'm not willing to judge the rookies if our system isn't really being totally. executed as it's supposed to be. I like if if you're gonna mm-hmm. make uh, an error with a errant pass or just bad decision making that's not even gonna let anything develop like it kind of should, then you've halted. You've only gotten maybe twenty, thirty percent of how things should play. I mean, every it's a dynamic game. Yeah. Everything's changing, but they're making mistakes early on, like from the middle of the ice backwards, right? <laughs> so you can't really see how things are going to develop and what the rookies are going to do in these situations. They're, they're more in kind of like in the crate. And there's a lot of this in hockey admittedly, but they're making plays or attempted plays in the chaos of it all versus the, the organized system setting up in the offensive zone, whatnot. And I will add that, you know, what I was saying earlier, I was really applying more to the forwards. I think with Ferraro, it's probably been a little bit easier to see how he's been playing and mistakes he's made. Just because, you know, with defense, mm-hmm. you have the defenseman and their partner. And we had talked about this a little bit on our own, how you can see you had mentioned like his decision making. He's a little bit slow to make a decision at the pass um, or he his breakout pass was off or he, he kind of got chased down a little bit because he was taking too long. You can see those things, 
Um, it's, it's a little bit easier, I think, to pay attention to the defenseman. Uh, but like mm-hmm. I was saying, That's a great point. because the plays aren't developing offensively, you can't really know what these forward rookies are going to do in certain situations that they haven't really had the chance to be involved in very well yet. Yeah, and totally. Like Once the rookies are in the offensive zone, like yeah, we generally go low to high, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't go low to high, it's not a mistake. You know, you want to be creative. You don't want to do the same thing every time and only have one way Absolutely. to score. And to your point, that is great. Like, yeah, like there is with a defenseman, it's generally very easy because the decisions that they make are simplified because they're some of the most important players and have the least amount of time to react in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, they only have one other choice. Right. It's to a forward to go forward or, uh, to you know, break out to begin the breakout or to defensemen to get time and like have a release option, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, okay, where's their partner? Is their partner helping them out? Did they pass it to their partner or the, you know, were they ready or whatever? It's much more observable by the fan um, yeah. than a forward because yeah. there's only one person and you can handle one person's decision that you can kind of track with when there's, oh, I know this person trying to make that decision based on one other person's actions. Yeah, But when there's three... When it's going well, sometimes you can kind of read with it. But when it's not, it's hard. Because it's the same thing. Like, you know, never having played football, it is impossible for me to see how the play should go until the commentators, you know, draw the X's and O's and tell me what, how it should have happened and what went well or what didn't go well. Because, you know, there's like 11 guys there. It's the same option when you go to three. It's just a little bit easier. But right now it's so hard because no one's the sore thumb sticking yeah. out because everyone's doing bad in the offensive Yeah, zone. I agree. Um and it's just, it's just, yeah, it's gone really bad. I think it got a little bit better as each game went. Um, and I think we, by the, by the Ducks game, it, there was like a whole period where I thought it looked good. And then the Nashville game, I thought we looked like an NHL team and we had sustained periods that looked good. And after the Nashville game, I thought, you know, that looks like a loss that just any time in the season could happen. Uh, I, and uh i would disagree a little bit opinion. about nashville i see what you're saying with the team coming together because i think they had a pretty solid second period but each of those goals yeah. most of those goals that nashville had yeah, were due to like bad. what what are you doing there that was like a terrible giveaway right like they were still from glaring mistakes um and those those you know that's gonna be still a good percentage of goals you give up i would say but but the proportionality yeah. of how how many goals the other teams have been scoring because of clear, just bad errors have been, uh, there's just been too high that, that proportion. Totally. And, um, yeah, I think I, I, but I do agree with you in the sense that Nashville was, whereas they, they, yeah, they had more of a sense of cohesion, but like it was, it was instances of errors that really bit them. And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, I guess that leads into, you, you know, the turning point of the week, <laughs> uh, the week, week and a half, whatever it was since the start of the season. And um, wait, before we yeah, say his I don't know how you name. want to segue this. <laughs> I mean, we, I'm really we, excited. Like, we're going. Inside. I know. I know. <laughs> I will say what, what made things even worse was like, we've already had injuries this yeah. season, like a good amount of injuries. So on the defense, we've lost heed. He never was recorded with an official injury and they never moved him to IR, long-term IR or something like that. But all the reporters have now 
been told and have began reporting after like a couple games of <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. After a couple of games of he not playing, um, that he was injured, and everyone, and, and you know, w- by not saying anything, obviously Twitter was like, "Lord's an idiot, fire him." And I was like, "Okay, cool, you know, say what you want. You're wrong, but say what you want." <laughs> and um, so he went down, and he's he is an NHL level seventh defense. Hey, shouldn't that you? Makes mistakes. Shouldn't you? Uh, mute people with what they're saying about Heed in addition to Dalton Dalton Prout? Maybe. No. <laughs> uh, because it's not that bad. If it gets there, It's getting that bad. <laughs> because people... Because people... Because <laughs> people, as a, as a segue, it's like people just like... When Michael Haley was on the team last year, like, Sharks Twitter just like diverged. And instead of talking about like actual things that truly impacted the majority of the game and the reason, they were just like, Haley's starting! The boar's an idiot. Ah. <laughs> and then that would be the only thing I would talk about. It's like, okay, well, you know, Haley was on the ice and, you know, nothing really happened while he was on the ice. But while Burns was on the ice, he let yeah. more goals in. You know, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> maybe let's talk about Burns. Or, you know, Dell played the puck to someone's stick on the other team and then they shot right away while he was on the goal and they yeah. scored. Maybe that's not Haley's fault. <laughs> no, it's still Michael Haley's fault. Yeah, dude. No, it's and Mike then we signed Dalton Proud several years ago, right? Yeah, right. It just never goes away. <laughs> so it's like, and then yeah, and then Dalton Proud got injured. The timelineness of this thing, is yeah, not he working. got injured like right away, and then he gets injured at practice, yeah. and then uh, Middleton was injured in the second yeah, game. Or Middleton something. is out for a while. Yeah, game one or two, he you see another player that has like very limited but NHL experience. And is clearly ready to graduate from the AHL. So we immediately went through all of our depth AHL, like NHL caliber players. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, in like three games. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Middleton is out for like a long time. Yeah. He's out for four to six weeks as of today. So something happened and he's. <coughs> Ooh, no. Yeah, all right. Sorry, I've been. Yeah, I've just been battling like that. Throat issue for a while. Woo! Oh wow! <coughs> well, Sorry, uh, fans. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take this over while Ian recovers a little yeah. bit. But yeah, a lot of injuries. <laughs> a lot of injuries on Ian. Mute yourself. <laughs> um, the yeah, the defense. Uh, I, I I'm of the opinion that losing Braun is probably. This is going to be very controversial. Virtual, I'm sure, but uh, losing Braun, I think, hurts the team more than people realize. Uh, I don't know. I think he it's had not a pretty... controversial. It's controversial when you say it's more than Pavelski or something. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not meaning to say that. I don't think that, but I think as far as stability on the back end and having somebody that makes good decisions and will stop gap plays at times uh, that the other team is trying to make. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's not, to be honest, you know, I'm not very into the advanced stats. People can throw numbers out about, how his play has declined. Sure, his play has maybe declined over the years, but on like a seeing eye basis, some of the decisions and plays he would make were um, impressive and I was thankful for last year. And uh, he was a longtime shark, shark too. And, and, and when you're replacing him so with, with Ferraro, I think that's exciting because Ferraro is like a high energy, always get at it type guy. Mm-hmm. Um but you know that's that's a question mark. That's a quantity of uncertainty that you have for 
you know, the whole season, he's going to grow and develop. And then you have one or two other spots that are still going to have to be filled in as well. And, uh, yeah. So is our, is our defensive core still pretty, pretty great with Vlasic Burns and Carlson? Yeah. Yeah, But you know, those guys are struggling right now as well. Yeah. I mean, we already have Shemek too. So I think the majority of where it's, what's getting bad for me is like all the injuries have like already tested the complete depths that we have on the team. By the way, I do want to mention we already Shemek a little bit because uh, we'll, we'll get yeah, to that a little bit him. later. I think we should move on forward yeah. a bit. Yeah, maybe after Marlowe because you actually have a good amount of stuff to say about mm-hmm. that. So basically, we had some NHL defenseman, defenseman depth and immediately like three games in the season, we blew through everyone while Shemek is still out. And now we're having to play Carrick who's like an HL guy, but not quite an NHL guy yet. And then... Oh, you're ooh, still gosh. struggling. Ah, I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. I don't know. Well, I don't even know what points you're trying to make right now. I talked about the defense for a little bit, but now I'm not sure where to go. Uh, anyway. Okay. Well, you just struggle through it, man. So then the forwards... <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I'm... This new platform won't help me edit this either. So sorry, guys. Yeah. Just kind of stuck with it. Um, but thank you for listening. Um, Sternson gets out too. So now, not only that, do we have all these rookies at forward? We have another one that needs to fill in. So it was already bad. We were already losing, not playing as a team well. Def- you know, veterans making a ton of mistakes. Defensive depth, like completely tested to our limit. And then forward depth from the uh, Sharks, which was already an issue, like lost the key player. That would solidify a third line to be intact as well as the first line intact. So now it's second, third, fourth line, all with new players not ready yet. Or, you know, not playing or the depth there is lacking, et cetera, et cetera. And then... Go for it, <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's frame this kind of in a in a timeline story way. So, I will say to our listeners that I am a bit of a dreamer when it comes to scenarios of how things are going to play out for the season. And you know, it all it always ultimately culminates in the Sharks winning the cup. So, you know, I'm sure people can relate. This has been a, yeah. a perpetual disappointment over years and years. But uh, for many fans, much longer than I've even been a fan. So. Uh, the depth of my hurt is not <laughs> not near comparable to uh, a lot of other people. But I will say I am a dreamer, and we had already mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, how I was, I was hoping Patrick Marlowe would someday make his return back to San Jose, and I was thinking about that happening last season. So, you know, last season came and went. Sharks' playoff exit was definitely disappointing, but there there was the development of sharks the uh, sorry about uh patrick marlowe getting bought out by the maple oh no he got traded by the maple leafs and then was with carolina for like what a few days i don't remember what it was and then he gets bought yeah. out and then you know the alarm bells are ringing people are like is he gonna come back to san jose that's when the talk started building up and then it was kind of like doug wilson was you know simmer down that's not really in the in the in the, cards in, the right in the cards right now with the team with what they're looking to do you know what my dream was a little bit crushed at that point it was like i gotta move on it was probably <laughs> a long shot yeah. uh maybe that I was a reality slight... check for 
pretty much all fans. I think even not just you, I think there's a large component of the fan base that wanted him back. And when Doug Wilson said that, it was like, oh. Oh, yeah. And also for Marlowe, apparently, from what we've learned, oh, yeah. I mean, that kind of gut checked him and his family, too, because I think he was banking on coming back. You know, I mean, he's given a lot to the team, but you could understand the perspective of Doug Wilson. So from mm-hmm. my point of view, I was like, you know, I got to move on. Maybe I retained a slight amount of hope moving forward. And then, like we've said, this disastrous start to the season unfolded and the the trouble with our depth the trouble with uh our our forward our forward lines becoming evident and then all of a sudden this springs back to the surface of <laughs> is marlo gonna be something an option that the sharks are looking back to again i think kevin kurz was highlighting it a lot too and mm-hmm. lo and behold um doug wilson does it i was very excited when I saw it on Twitter, I'm not sure I was as excited to see that Eric Carlson got signed last season. I think that was, you know, peak Dude, excitement was, about getting a yeah, player. That's only that was just get out better. of the blue and crazy. Right. Yeah. But uh, seeing Patrick that he was coming back, I, I got really, uh, I got pretty giddy that the, the, the dream had come around and actually been fulfilled in some way. And I will say that now I've had new dreams start but uh, mm-hmm. that are, <laughs> I've been told that, <laughs> that are quite a long shot, but uh, maybe I won't share them today. But if they, uh, if stuff happens that, that might lead to that developing, we'll, we'll see. Right. It right now it would just be charts. ridiculous to stay and say, and I would yeah. get made fun of by you first, but um, you've already been made fun of by me <laughs> regarding this trade. <laughs> many, many times. So, you know, yeah. here we are. Patrick Marlowe has re-signed with the team. And even when there was a consideration of him coming back with the team with, during the offseason, I expected, you know, he's already getting all this buyout money this year. Why wouldn't he just take, mm-hmm. like, a bottom dollar con- contract? And if he had even signed in the offseason, would that desperation <laughs> really kicked in? Like, they might have signed him a little bit above the the minimum contract so i mean even the way it worked out in terms of getting a player of his caliber um for for the minimum and it might have been a little bit more if he had been signed earlier i think that's a good thing now i i want to kick this back to you uh because we've had some discussions about what is marlo's value in production relative to some other players (laughs) i will say player so what what yeah. what are you thinking on that front, Ian? Yeah. Um, so what I tweeted out, and uh, I think I've seen a couple other people point it out. Um, so the big concern with Marlowe, obviously, is age. And I think the other issue is that including Marlowe and, like, future plans as a 40-year-old who is declining in his point production. You know, Joe Thornton is 40 as well, but he's – his his point production is, is a little bit better. He's a better player than Marlo. Um, but, you know, Marlo's right there. He should be a Hall of Fame player. Um, and, uh, you know, last year he scored 37 points, which also was the same amount of points scored by one Jonas Donskoy, mm-hmm. who just left on a, a big contract that I think about – Half of Sharks fans would say, good, I don't think he deserves that money. And the other half would say, great, he deserves that money and he's going to score a ton more. 
And uh, I think that the Sharks gave him absolutely every single opportunity he could to score, playing all up and down the lineup with pretty much every possible combination of players for a couple years, and it never just turned out. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of things right, but it just never turned out. You know, Marlowe scored 37 points last year, and so did Jonas Donskoy. So I think that'll be an interesting, like, you know, I think half of one half of Sharks Twitter and the other half of Sharks Twitter will be back and forth, you know, kind of comparing it. Because I think for one year, if he puts up 37 points again at a $700,000 contract for us, that's great value. Yeah. Right? If you replace that with a 26-year-old player and you said this, Ross, this person's going to be on your roster for one year, you're like, okay. Yeah, definitely. I take that. <clears throat> yeah. The issue I think a lot of people have is uh, he's taking away spots from the young guys. There's and... so many spots. There's so many spots yeah, for the that's young guys. Point. Don't even worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I think, okay, so let's think, let's think about this. Currently, LeBanc is a second-line right wing. He's trying to show that he truly is a first-line right wing. Failed at doing it in early games. Got demoted for the third line. Took him one game to say, oh, I better change my act. And then now he's back at the top line where he should be auditioning to stay. And I think that's right. Without Marlowe, we had a second-line right wing, a third-line right wing, a fourth-line right wing, <coughs> and a, uh, I think a fourth-line center is still really open for being one as well. And, you know, there's also Ferraro and D and the seventh D, which is now Carrick, who is also a rookie. Um, but in terms of forwards, they're not really in the you know, conversation. But you can't say we're not turning around this team to young players when you have four to five spots open on this team yeah. that are currently occupied by young players. Mm-hmm. Right? Sorensen will come back. But, you know, with Marlowe, if Marlowe healthy, you still have that top line. You know, put Marlowe on the second line just for sake of argument to make it easy. Because the third line, we all knew who that is. Um, yeah, second line, Kane Hurdle, Marlowe. Third line, Sorensen, Thornton, and okay, maybe you're Tyken. So that's one open spot. You've got um, the fourth line is pretty much completely open. At this point, Melker plays the system well, but that's all he does. He penalty kills well. Great. But, like, he doesn't really do much in terms of point production, and why not turn that over? So you've got the third line right wing, the entire fourth line still open for spots. But now they're giving – they're being given the amount of opportunity they should be given, right? You should not put in someone who you're not even truly sure if they're an NHL-ready forward on the second line with the second line type matchups where they're going to be – put against really difficult players on the other team and that amount of ice time when they're not, and it's still questionable that they're ready even for the league at all. Yes. It's a lot of growing, growing opportunities and growth, but if you're not sure they can meet it, you're just presenting them with opportunities to fail. So I think by adding Marlowe, it really slots in the rookies to places where they should be. Yeah. Now Marlowe also, he's currently playing the second line. Migs, do you think he's going to play the whole year? No. Correct. I mean, he might. Like, if Marlowe has a 50-point season, like, great. I'd love that. But, no, the team's going to hit rough patches again, right? And there's going to be some line shuffling again to get things going. And things are going to move around a little bit. 
We're probably going to see him with Thornton at yeah. some point <laughs> this year. I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Yeah, totally. No. With with probably yeah. some sort of fast younger player to supplement them because uh, I mean Patty's pretty fast, but Thornton's Thornton's really slowing down. Um, Thornton is objectively quite slow now. Yes, he's like Pavelski level slow, but still has his puck puck. Well, his puck possession maybe isn't quite as great either, but he's still got his his smarts. Yeah, and he not back quite as great hard. from the all time yeah all time passer forever. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and the thing is, I think what people are getting hung up on is when they see a specific young player get passed over for Radil or someone like that. And Radil, by the way, I think is the new Michael Haley slash Dalton Proud. Well, Dalton Proud He's is being molded into that form, yeah. Yeah, but honestly, I agree with them. It's like, what, is my, what does Radil do? Like, he plays the system, and that's literally it. Mm-hmm. I don't really think he has much of anything else. He forechecks well. Great. People can be trained to do that. Like, I think, okay, so Gambrell, a question mark, but he was the second over, not second over, second round pick that a lot of people liked. People thought he played a really important role helping get, um, you know, his Colorado team to, in college, to, um, you know, the national championship. Yeah. And he was a finalist um, for the uh, Hobie Baker the Award, Hobie Baker. which is pretty much yeah, the MVP totally. for, for college players, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's like the Heisman of yeah. hockey. So his, of his pedigree is, uh, yeah. is fairly strong, right? Yeah, and we still have Auntie Suomela, who still needs some training in the NHL to kind of show that he's ready to really be above the AHL. You know, he was like the leading scorer in the Finnish league last year. Yeah, he year was like the Donskoy after Donskoy. <laughs> yeah, and he showed that he totally has the ability to score some stuff at the NHL level. And the streak where he was playing, he put up some points. You know, he's still there. Yeah. Ferraro is still getting a chance. Kurz had an article on The Athletic where he, quote, where he talked to scouts about Ferraro and his co- college coach saying that, Ferraro played almost as big of a role as Kale McCarr did on for the, his college team, and that he thinks he could be like a second pairing, second like top two defenseman in the league. You know, you have like all these players are still in the mix. That just because, like, let's say a Bergman gets scratched for the for like a game, it doesn't mean that DeBoer has like stopped giving young players chances maybe that young player needs a different opportunity or to sit to learn to watch but like we still have so many other players who will be ready in the middle of the season right like DeBoer I think has said we're going to need around 30 players to play through each NHL season I think Wilson I mean and we still have Sasha Chemilevsky we still have um, Ivan Chekovich we still have Joachim Blickfeld and Auntie Suomela and Dylan Gambrell and everyone currently on the roster. Like just because your specific young player you're looking at on the roster didn't play tonight, doesn't mean that the other four players playing are not also still being given opportunities. Yeah. I think you have to, you know, just because they're on the roster now. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think you have to look at like, what's the marginal value versus the marginal, uh, What's the marginal benefit versus like the marginal cost 
of having Lukash Radil play instead of Leanne Bergman for that one night. To be honest, you know, over the course of 10, 15 games, there might be a number of different roster changes and ins and out between these younger players and these mid-20s, less younger players. I mean, it keeps mm-hmm. it keeps competition within the team healthy and relatively strong, you'd hope. But hopefully you're, you're looking yeah. over the course of an 82-game season, there's some trends and development yeah. that happens that gives the coaching staff some clearer direction of who to go with when the times get tight and more important. Uh, you know, playoffs is pretty much what I'm saying. Um, or maybe yeah. when you're looking to really get in the grind to, to make a playoff push. But, um, I mean, it, it, it's like I, I think a counter argument would be like, well, you really got to give the young players a chance to develop and everything and get more games in despite mm-hmm. making mistakes. But, I mean, it's the NHL. That's not, that's not really how it works. If you're not producing and making some sort of 100%. relatively impact – you're going to get benched and you're going to, the other guys are going to get a chance because they're hungry and they're, they're, they're technically on the however many man unit. And uh, that could be a deal. That could be Carlson. That could be Goodrow. Um, Mm -hmm. Let those players cycle in and out. You know, I I would be upset if the young players weren't getting in a shot at all when we have all these gaps in the lineup. Yeah. But if, if it's like a healthy long stretches, if it's a healthy interchange, that's like I said, marginal benefit, marginal cost. That's not ultimately impacting. Like how often are we going to say, dang, we freaking lost that game (laughs) because you're Tyken and Bergman. Like we're not playing and we totally would have won. Not been lost five to three to the blues that game. Like I'm just making something up, but yeah, that, that scenario is probably going to be rare. If, if the team as a whole is not, playing well not executing well making defensive errors playing poor in the neutral zone not giving effort that's that's like a team-wide thing or you know there could be bigger problems with your your more regular lineup guys so yeah and you know what this is my opinion this is also hard to quantify just like the other side would be hard to quantify but like you said it's not worth getting hung up on like like you said, this young player is on in the lineup. What the heck? Let's be upset about this. Just let things uh, mm-hmm. let things play out a little bit. You know, I'm not saying the coaching staff yeah. is perfect. They're going to make mistakes. No, they make. Like you yeah. said, you even mentioned Vegas. Like we still haven't figured out how to counter Vegas very well. Yeah, that's concerning. I think that's a legit. Because I think that's when people criticize DeBoer, I don't think they. Um. Yeah, I think in. Sorry, yeah, specifically when it comes to Vegas, I think that highlights a big issue that we play them so often and we literally can't play yeah. them. But to your point, in, in terms of like, so I, I do think that critique of DeBoer is fair, mm-hmm. but most other critiques I just think are unfounded. Yeah. Not that he's perfect and I'm, I will never criticize a coach. I'm not that person. I just think right now that's the yeah, only you, one I you agree can't with. really make, there's, yeah. Other arguments, there's not really a clear correlation. It's just like, I'm mad the team's doing yeah. bad. It must be coaching. <laughs> right. Yeah, but like, you know, if, if you know, your Tykin does look like he has some stuff to show that he can, you know, he has skill. Oh, yeah. He was a pro. Um, um, but like, so if he's getting scratched, you know, for 10, 15 games straight or like five, six, seven games straight, you know, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. And if Radil's in his spot, it's like, okay, yeah, Radil, 
is not good. He's he to me he feels like the definition of an, a replacement level player. Mm-hmm. Like so, if you constantly scratch, if you, that's the thing, constantly scratching is the issue mm-hmm. for for veterans over young players. Mm-hmm. But you know, Radil is also a younger player too. He's just not the one that you chose to follow and appreciate. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, if you're okay, I'd like to steer towards um, a couple surprising things. Yeah. And I think we can get this towards Shemek, and I think we can wrap up. I don't think we will talk for too much longer. Nope. But, um, yeah, I think we've kind of covered all the bases and all of our opinions and angles and what we want to present on kind of how it's happened to be, you know, one in five, one in four, one in four, um, one in four. And then, uh, you know, why we got there, young players, not, I kind of lost in this is, uh, Burns is a point per game player. He has five points in five games. Oh, nice. Yeah. And Couture is uh one as four points in five games yeah yeah so you know all hope is not lost because i really <laughs> certainly not couture is just kind of like i'm sure a lot of these are secondary assists or something like that but i thought couture wasn't really that noticeable for the first couple of yeah games. i agree and i was like oh that's not gonna be good but you know what but would you have even if they're secondary assists the you still throughout the whole season absolutely yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, that could – all hope is not lost. Burns is still doing well. Couture still on the short score sheet shows that he's still involved in the play, even though I didn't see it. Um, I think people might need to temper their expectations of, like, uh, I've heard a lot of Hurdle and uh, Timo are going to score, like, 40 goals. Yeah. I don't think you can go on this skid as long as it's gone. And they're still, they still haven't scored either of them. And I think it kind of looks like maybe the skid has been righted by now. But if it kind of goes to 10 games and we're not 500 and they're not really scoring, that, you know, to score 40 goals, you have to score a goal like every other game. Yeah. You know, there will be streaks where you score more than that and those streaks where you score less than that. But the more time you go on that schneid and it gets closer to the 10 game and we're still not 500 at 10 games – you know, that's really going to affect end season totals. So I think we're, they do need to start scoring if they want to reach that. I think maybe 35-ish might be more realistic for them, unless we go on a crazy tear, which I would welcome and love. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I've noticed outside of Kevin LeBanks glaring minus 10 in five games. Ooh, really? Which is a yikes. Oh, yeah. man. You know, most of our players are minuses. Vlasic is a minus eight Oof. again, which is bad. Um, Marlo is a plus one. Yeah, in his one game, one game though. Yeah, Kane is a minus. Yeah, like lots of minuses, but you know. But we've also been like people were saying. <laughs> yeah, you know we've been we've been absolutely dominated. But what we did see was Kevin LeBanc is making a lot of, you know, low effort plays when he knows better, and bet on it himself. He's like, pay me one million dollars, I'll prove you that I'm a top line player, and then he's already a minus ten. Part of which is, you know, this is a bad stat, and we've been crazy outscored, but also part of it is earned. Like, we've seen you make minus 10 mistakes, you know? Mm-hmm. And, how you yeah. and you had a lot to say about Shibik. Well, no, I was just saying, I, I think this has come up in conversation on social media about when Shimmick's coming back, because people remember how he was last year, and he was – I would also attribute him – attribute to him that quality of being like a high intensity, high energy 
defenseman, but also did like the right things and was in the right places. But whenever you involve like it, whenever an ACL tear is involved, I mean, you can look at Joe Thornton as a case example. Like it took a while for him to warm, warm back up. Um, even when he started playing again and he was playing again mm-hmm. before nine months. I mean, in, in terms of the, in the rehab world, like the nine months was kind of just uh, as far as I understand it, just kind of this arbitrary amount of time of, you know, athletes or whatever are going to be back to playing between nine months and a year or so. But that was kind of, as far as I understand, not really very well founded and there can be a lot of variety <laughs> in, in when people can come back. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I listened to this, uh, this other podcast is a, is kind of a PT podcast journal club sort of thing. And they were looking at a study of amateur, I believe amateur soccer players, but they were kind of covering a point that I was, that I was thinking about that. There's a lot of variety in the population of when people can get their strength back in the, in the involved leg. Uh, when you tear your ACL and um, Mm -hmm. you know, even at nine months, these traditional marker timeframes, like people, people can have like the percentage of their quad strength with testing can be, you know, not in a good place relative to their, their strong uninjured leg. And um everybody's different. I mean, some people can be faster than that, but I think in a lot of cases people (laughs) can be slower than that. And people are going back to sport before what's known as the quad index. So kind of like what your ratio of your, your quad strength um, force production relative uh, of the involved side relative to your non-injured side. Like you want that to be Mm -hmm. 90% or greater. I think they've shown that like if it's less than 90%, that's like one of the biggest predictors of re-injury. But I'm sure oh, I'm sure across the board, like I don't have the solid numbers on this, but there's athletes day in and day out going back to sport with less than that. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of one of the main they're points pressured that yeah. even in the rehab world, this is the testing is not really done very well. Um, and uh, this is not like a critique of people who do rehab for the sharks of, I'm kind of familiar with a little bit who they are, but um, they're, they're, they're good and everything, but uh, it's just like a concerning thing. I, I want to say league wide, but like United States wide or <laughs> worldwide, there's probably a lot of athletes <laughs> going back and, you know, there's some that just will get better, but there's probably people playing with a higher risk of re-injury because they're under this marker. Um, that's not really looked at. So if you if you tell me that she makes only at seven seven and a half months, I mean, what springs to my mind is, well, there's a good chance that he's he's strength wise like uh, what's really important for for function and strength that would be needed to play. I mean, he's probably not close to one hundred percent. There's a good chance of that at least. So mm-hmm. uh, even if he does come back, I mean, he's not necessarily going to get re injured. Um, but how much will his performance be affected? Um, I mean, I would just say don't expect as soon as Shemek to come back to just be the player that we, we saw right before he was injured, right? I mean, maybe it could be true, but yeah. at the same time, um, it may be it, there's a good chance there will be a feeling out process, a rehab while playing. <laughs> 
sort of thing. Like getting yeah, back into you the saw swing Carlson of things, right? Try, yeah, and you saw Carl. Sorry to interrupt. You saw Carlson try that, and it's like absolutely show the prime example of why you shouldn't. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that was um, that- and the and to the Shemek point. I think the second week of October or whatever this week is. I think this was the original time turn timetable for Shemek to be like skating with the team or like practicing again or like being ready to go. And yeah. uh, that has come and passed. That's what Kurz was saying today. And what does that say? I mean, he's, he probably is not feeling great or the medical staff is not really sure about him going back and everything. So um, there, there is some, there is some concern there and there is, you know, even if he's coming mm-hmm. back right away, I would want to see how things go. <laughs> For a while, right before making any judgments of like, you know, we got Shemek back, everything's all good. Uh, in the cases yeah. of coming back from an ACL reconstruction, it's uh, it's not going to be so dandy right away. In a lot of cases, yeah. And specific to like the other leg relative strength to the other, I think you, I think comment, uh, Thornton even specifically commented on that that it took him like a really long time to get like his. At some point, his knee felt good enough to come back. Yeah. But he said it wasn't until, like, that offseason where he had a full offseason to retrain that leg again without rehab yeah. that it felt back to where it was. Yeah. You know, and he was actually good. And then, you know, he injures the other or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it was this past offseason where it had been the first time where he didn't have to rehab during the summer. Mm-hmm. Was that this past offseason? Yeah. Yeah, he, he made a comment like that that it was the first time where he really felt like both legs were like fully healthy yeah, and back to what they should have been. And the size, he, I think he even said something about the size mm-hmm. um, and not just like I physically can skate and play the NHL. Game. Oh yeah. I mean, you could definitely get by, but I mean, our bodies yeah. are capable of, of compensating in ways that we may not even be conscious of. Right. There's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of even testing protocols that we're supposed to put people through that are not really, the gold standard like single mm-hmm. leg hop tests and stuff like that but people are remarkably efficient at compensating uh, to score really well to like do really well on these like return to play return to sport type tests but <laughs> they can be masking like some some intrinsic capacity and uh, fundamental elements of things like strength and everything that you won't be able to pick up by just doing something like that. So anyway, yeah. this, this goes uh, into me being frustrated with my profession a little bit, but <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's interesting yeah, to talk about because um, yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you think there's a more, do you think there's like a more realistic timetable that you would probably expect him to be oh, back? I, Obviously I, not knowing, not knowing his body or, being truly able to give a professional opinion. I'm not asking for that. Um, yeah, it wouldn't like, even you be don't expect to be ready soon. I wouldn't even be comfortable compensating commenting either way, just because I Commenting, wouldn't yeah. really know. Everybody's kind of different, and I don't really know yeah. his situation very well at all. So uh, I'm just saying. I think I'm just good. saying by like population wise, uh, some some things that came up in my mind based on uh, what I'm aware of. So just mm-hmm. kind of as like a cautionary sense of, you know, if Shemek's comes coming back, back from an ACL reconstruction, it's not going to be like necessarily amazing right away. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good for us to keep in mind. And I, 
I think Sharks fans are a little bit more cognizant of that now after, you know, Hurdle. And, and I think with Hurdle, we weren't. And I think with Thornton, we kind of weren't. And by the second one, we were. Or at least you and definitely you, me. And I think a good segment of fans started really kind of get that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Shima coming back, he's not going to be right away. Unless he's like a very small percentage of the population. You know, good to go, 100% ready to, uh, you know, lay some big hits and pivot and twist and turn and really test that knee, you know? Mm-hmm. Could be some not really noticing Shemek a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be that. It could part. be that, like, you know, where was this player that was there? Well, he's not maybe at 100% yeah. capacity yet, right? So Yeah, especially given he, he had, like, a lot of uh, – he 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 wasn't he was noticeable when he played, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. He he wasn't just like a positional guy. He he made he was very active and um with his skating and like quick cuts to hit people when they were right about to make a move and stuff like that. Pressure yeah. them really early. So maybe even for him it might even be more noticeable than maybe let's say like Vlasic, who uh is a, really good with his stick and that's where his where he shines instead yeah. of maybe it like would affect his, his game skating and stuff the way he plays yeah. a bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, we should probably wrap this up. Um, we should. It was a yeah. Good, good, thorough. Yes. You know, good, good episode. Um, yeah. I think we've come out of like the garbage fire a bit <laughs> in the season. I think it's, if this was, if the tonight's game, if you, I mean, we don't know what's going on or what the score is, but if you said this was the start of the season, I think we'd feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but definitely. we had to go through that emergency fire alarm drill. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sorry for the audio issues on my end. Uh, I'm coughing up a storm over here, and I'm very sorry about that. Well, I forgive you at least. Um, <laughs> yeah. If and you I, would my like daughter to, is having fun at, at, outside. So if you hear her on the recording, I heard her have a, little a bit smile. Earlier. That was fun. Well, um, if you want to follow us on social media, our mm-hmm podcast twitter handle is at underscore back to the point uh you can follow me at, at dmigs 22 and ian i think you're mm-hmm. at ian said so correct mm-hmm. yeah yeah so uh all right hope everybody becomes more optimistic and hopefully everybody has more reason to become optimistic in these next few games totally yeah and all uh, right thanks for listening customary go, go sharks. sharks yep go sharks <laughs> Bye. Bye.